Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Nicole calling from Hamilton, and I needed to let everyone know that I really proudly support Vish and Creative Control. I have for many years, I will for many more, as long as he keeps delivering these amazing interview podcasts. When you hear one of Vish's interviews, you think he's known this guest for years, they're good friends. Uh, but the truth is, he approaches every interview, whether it's sort of up and coming indie artists or established icons or like famous intimidating comedians with Uh, a really deep, genuine curiosity, so he's never met this person, and the same really warm uh, candor, so he's known them forever. I think it really lends to a great chat, no matter who he's talking to, and for that reason, I think you should throw Vish, like what, a dollar a month? He's got jokes. The jokes make it worth it. Support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit. Jasmine is a talented songwriter, singer, and musician currently based in Hamilton, Ontario. Originally from Toronto, where she was the front person for the acclaimed and inventive band Weaves, Jasmine has emerged from a period of relative inactivity to embark upon a trajectory of her own as a solo artist. Her debut album is called In the Wild. It was jointly released by Anti Records and Royal Mountain Records on June 3rd, 2022. And just ahead of her performance at Kazoo Fest in Guelph on July 15th, Jasmine returned to this show for a conversation with me about moving to Hamilton before her Toronto artist friends were further displaced by real estate deals. University, journalism, 
and wanting to be a professional soccer player, the pandemic and how she embraced change while others resisted it, making In the Wild with producer John Congleton and the album's themes and sounds, playing live again, new songs, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control. Thanks a lot for those, by the way. Just wanted to just wanted to say thanks. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 702 of Creative Control, featuring the vibrant and thoughtful Jasmine with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Jasmine. How's it going? Hello. I'm good. How are you? I'm well. It's nice to see you. Where in the world are you today? I am in Hamilton, Ontario. Yes, I heard you made the move to Hamilton. How long ago did you do that? Yeah. I actually moved here in 2018. So it actually it was about four years ago last month. Now, uh, this was a thing that people were doing a lot of at that time. Toronto priced everyone out. I mean, I'll tell you, I'm in Edmonton. Ontario priced me out. Couldn't uh, <laughs> We couldn't move our family around. What was uh, the motivation for you to move from Toronto to Hamilton? A similar thing where Toronto was just getting very expensive. And I think I needed a change of scenery as well. Like just touring a lot and you're always in major cities and I felt like maybe when I come home I wanted to be in a quieter place and yeah I guess I just I had come here a lot like my family moved here I guess seven or eight years ago Hmm. so I I come here a lot and I just thought why not give it a shot and see if it's a nice place (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, just so we're clear, it's not like, you know, you and I would often interact, I think, in Guelph, Ontario, where I li- mm-hmm. used to live. Mm-hmm. That is a smaller town. And it's a city, but it's it's actually a big... It's a city. Hamilton's mm-hmm. not that quiet, is it? Have you found that? Like, it, it's a big city. There's got... What is it? A million? How many people live in Hamilton? I don't even know. I think it's like half a million. Oh, it's half a million. Oh, okay. I thought it was like a million. Because mm-hmm. it's like, uh, for those who don't know, listening around the world... Hamilton used to uh, have a reputation for being like an industrial yes. blue-collar town. Steel yes. was the major industry. Uh, I don't. Is that still the case as a Hamiltonian? Do you know that? I don't think so. But I, I mean, I don't want to like, you know. Yeah. But I think that it used to be. It's like, but it's still sort of the, it's a steel town essence. I yeah. mean, it still feels like kind of blue-collar in a way. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's definitely. Okay. So there's no doubt about it. It's definitely quieter than Toronto. Mm-hmm. Is it as quiet and lovely as you expected it to be do you miss you're close enough to go to toronto whenever you want Mm -hmm. do you miss toronto in any way i would say i do not miss toronto uh which surprised (laughs) me i thought i would i mean it's not like super quiet i don't think i could have like gone from living like growing up in toronto to living in a full-on small town i don't know if i would go crazy like i yeah i like to go to indigo you know but not really not really yeah 
I mean, I live near like the, you know, the train station as well. So it's like a really easy commute. And so like for work stuff, I can always go into Toronto to see friends, but Hmm. I don't know. Like I just, in a way in Toronto, I felt, I don't know if you felt this way, but I just felt kind of sad seeing everything just get torn down and, you know, like it was, it felt like it was a music city, but now it's kind of not, or I don't know. It just seems like its identity is sort of shifting and. I don't know. Maybe oh, well, I, I just grew it's twenty twenty two now. Like the, you were making those observations, you're saying around twenty eighteen. It's mm-hmm. worse than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just recounting before we started rolling here. Uh, one of the last times uh, Weaves was on the show, we met at a bar. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was off a of Geary yeah. Street, where your rehearsal space was, your practice yes. space. Yes. And for those who don't know, like all of those practice spaces that every band I knew. Uh, that was sort of at a whatever a mid to high level that could mm-hmm. afford a practice space. Mm-hmm. What were they called? The rehearsal factories. The, yeah, that the was the name of the factory. Yeah, yeah. And they had a couple of locations in Toronto, mm-hmm. um, and they all got bought out by some ultra conservative church. I, I think know. is what I've been hearing. Yeah. And they're the the properties. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, why would the church specifically? That seems weird. <laughs> Normally, a church would buy one thing and say, yeah. "This is our church." But from what I understand. This group bought all specifically bought all of these. Oh, they bought all factories. of them. I think that's what I heard. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I could be. Yeah, I could be wrong about this. I don't have the facts. I think it was me, for but. sure the one at least like on like sort of you know by Dufferin and uh, yeah Dupont area, but. Right. Yeah, it was so sad to see that. Like, I guess at that point, you know, we didn't have that rehearsal space anymore. But it made me mm. so sad because a lot of people. You know, they they get their start there and you need a space when you're, I mean, I think even the pricing kept increasing, but like I, I started rehearsing there when I was probably 19 years old and it was just like a place you could go get into the zone, you know, and start building your career. So it's kind of sad to see those kinds of places disappearing. Yeah. And then when you walk out in the hall, you run into like Sloan or Fucked mm-hmm. Up or in those spaces Matt's, as well. Dilly yeah, Matt's, Yeah. Yeah, so there was like a little communal. Yeah, so you're in this little communal space. Everyone's talking to each other, Mm -hmm. and yeah, so that it's it's not just the practicing space, uh, you know, for the noise and all that. It's it becomes this like, hey, uh, my office building has like every band in Toronto, really, and and you run into them in the hallway, and you have that water cooler talk. Anyway, so but you got out well before. the situation we're talking about so yeah. that's interesting in itself so you knew something about well, what, what, when did the weaves uh, I, I was sad to hear this i didn't know this until your solo record came out that weaves mm-hmm. is is weaves ostensibly done or did you leave weaves what's the status there mm-hmm. i guess yeah weaves is done i kind of left in february 2020 and then yeah the, I, I guess i kind of quit and then literally the pandemic happened so it was mm-hmm. kind of crazy yeah. But I moved, you know, like two years before that. And yeah, you know, and just like, I guess I started working on this album in 2020. And it's kind of just, I, I didn't really know if I was going to keep making music. And then I just sort of did. So I see. <laughs> it's what I do. It's what I love doing. So where did this crisis of faith in music sort of, I, that sounds dramatic, but <laughs> the idea that you would leave music after devoting so much of your life to it and seeing the world the way you did, I mean, that's a major decision. Mm-hmm. Do you know where that emanated from? That like, why am I, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? 
I think sometimes, you know, people, they see the exterior of what being a musician is, and there's a lot of work behind the scenes. There's a lot of sacrifice, you know, personally and financially and, you know, emotionally. You're just like, it's a lot to be on the road constantly. And I think in particular, going through the pandemic, it ke- it kind of made me realize, like, if I am going to be a musician, how can I make it sustainable? So, like, putting in some boundaries for myself of, like, you know, maybe the most I go on the road is two weeks or two and a half weeks and then come home and have some time at home with my family. And, you know, so I think it was just like, I kind of hit a point where I just, I didn't know what my next steps would be, but I also just wanted to try making my own album. Like I've always played in bands and I think I reached a point where I felt like I could make my own music. And I guess like the reality of being a musician is like, you know, do you want to do some, do you want to be in the band for the next 30 years or do you want to try and do something on your own and maybe have more flexibility to, you know, live life and sort of have a bit of my own scheduling happening. So, you know, I think it was just the right choice for me. You know, externally, and I don't mean to pay any disrespect to anyone else in Weaves, but externally, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people associated you the most with Weaves. As the front mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. as the singer, so in a mm-hmm. in a sense, it and again, you know, this happens to lots of bands. Unfortunately, the lead singer is viewed, and the lead songwriter, if you will, lyricist, is viewed as the mm-hmm. driving force. When and if you mm-hmm. dig deeper, you find out well, actually, it's the guitarist mm-hmm. or the drummer that's really getting everybody together and making. Th- you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'm just going to mm-hmm. couch this as I appreciate what lead singer perceptions can be like, but mm-hmm. what I'm getting at is. It's interesting to hear you think, uh, hear you express like, I wanted to do something on my own when a lot of us mm-hmm. kind of viewed mm-hmm. Weaves as your thing. I don't know what you make mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Does, does that register with you? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I guess, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah. I, I guess it just hit a point where I, I, I did feel like, you know, I don't even know how to answer it. It's just, it, it it was just hitting a wall. So I decided to just do my own thing and go under my own name and, you know. This is an external perception, of course. I think internally, we don't know what the interpersonal stuff is like and all that stuff. So there must have been a, a reason for that as well. I'm curious. We all know you mostly as a musician. You're talking about artistic expression. And, you know, this solo record is maybe the ultimate uh, expression for you, uh, expressing just your ideas. Do you have other means of expression? Do you do other things that I'm not aware of or people might not know about in terms of creativity? (laughs) I wish I was like a painter or something. (laughs) Um, But I wish I was a dancer. I mean, I guess with this new album, I kind of started incorporating dance because I like that form of expression. But really, music has always been my outlet. I would say it's funny, like the more... I mean, even working in Weaves and that, I was often, like, I kind of would, like, co-create the t-shirt design with someone and, like, kind of come up with ideas for the all the artwork and everything. And so I guess it's been interesting doing this album as well because I think for me that putting together the album artwork and the music videos and all the visuals is, like, another form of expression that I really enjoy. And I think I've been able to own that the older I get. It's like, no, I'm kind of like a creative director with my music and I kind of consider everything important. Like even I remember with Weaves in the first press shot, like I wanted to have us all behind 
we were behind tissue paper and we were behind like vines because I didn't want to identify with like clothing in a way. And so I've always tried to have like pretty clear ways of expressing the music that feel artistic and interesting. And, but you know, yeah, I don't have any, I actually was like more of an athlete when I was young. I didn't, I didn't really, uh, take any other classes or I was kind of shy. (laughs) Athlete. That's interesting. What were your sports there? I played competitive soccer until I was about 21 or so. Yeah. 21. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, Wow. Competitive soccer. Okay. Mm-hmm, what is that? Mm-hmm. What level are you at there? How, are you on the Canadian team or something? No, I was, I was doing like kind of provincial level soccer. Um, so you kind of travel with your team and you play all year long. Um, so you do indoor and outdoor. Yeah. And yeah, I started that when I was like eight years old. And I like really wanted to be a professional athlete before I was a musician. Did the music and kill yeah. it? Did the music kill your <laughs> ability to play soccer? Well, I remember, like, I went to university and I was supposed to play on the varsity team at Ryerson or Toronto Metropolitan University. Yeah, I don't, now they've changed their name because the yeah. uh, they somebody discovered that the Ryerson name was connected to horrible things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry, forgive mm-hmm. us, listeners. We don't remember the new name, and I'm not googling it right now. But yeah, they've changed <laughs> their name, which is good. It's a good thing. But you went, yeah. Uh, yeah. They re- that school rejected me, by the way. I always, oh no, yeah, I don't understand. I'm a journalist now. I wanted to go to their journalism yeah, program. That's what the program I went to. Bastards. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was a, I was a bit of an underachieving high school student. I will say. <laughs> I, did, I tried in grade nine, yeah. half of grade ten, kind of just skated through until then. Mm. I found out that we had. Uh, did you have OAC? Was that no. still a thing? So no. that was grade grade thirteen. Yes. So around grade twelve. Halfway through grade twelve, I'm like, "Oh shit!" They look at they look at all your grades to get into the yes. schools. I didn't know that. Oh, so then I tried. Oh, no. I tried grade twelve, end of grade twelve and thirteen, mm-hmm. and then I did okay. Mm-hmm. I got into schools, but yeah, I did get into what you call it, uh, Dalhousie. They had the uh, what is oh. it, U- King's University of King's College or whatever the journalism program. I don't know. I didn't apply for that one. Yeah, I thought I I'd go. To, to, like, I like Halifax. I liked all the Halifax music. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, oh, I'll go there. But then, yeah, I ended up at Guelph. So it all worked out. And I didn't do journalism there. Out. But interestingly, what did you do? I, I did English. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was it's good. Still connected. I think it was good in the end because uh, uh, I don't know. I, I am a journalist now, I think. Or yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, do yeah. stuff in broadcasting and journalism. So it worked itself out. But I yeah. got a more. Uh, Spending four years or five years, I did a master's too, like just doing English stuff, I think mm-hmm. made me better equipped to be the kind of research-oriented journalist type person I mm-hmm. am. Does that make sense? I don't know. Maybe I... I did, you, did you actually attend the journalism program? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a degree in journalism. Wow. and um, But you didn't use it, per well, se. I mean, that's sorry, that's a horrible like... thing. That's a horrible... People say this to me all the time. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm using it. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to put it that way. You didn't get okay. you didn't get like a newspaper gig is what I'm saying. I tried, but it didn't work out and I guess while I was in school, well I went to journalism and then as I said I was play I was like supposed to play in the varsity team for soccer and then they said like you'll have to practice 7 days a week and I was like, well, I'm in school for journalism, like I can't really be Yeah, that's weird. so dedicated to soccer, so then I kind of left that but simultaneously was playing music in Toronto and that, and, um, you know, so it was funny. Like I think back, my first band was called hot monogamy and it was like an all girl band. 
And um, we played like every weekend while I was in university. And uh, like, I think the thing with school is even if it doesn't help you, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not a journalist, but it did help me like learn how to write quickly, which I think has helped me as a musician. Cause like with songs, I can always, I feel I'm, I'm a quick writer yeah. and that's kind of like an asset when you're a songwriter. <laughs> I, 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 I think going to school gives you lots of intangibles that maybe yeah, you don't recognize. Yeah. So uh, this isn't meant to be mm. a pro school podcast. <laughs> Do you feel like I talk to younger people? I don't think they're going to go to school. I have children. Yeah, I don't even know yeah. what the viability, like why they'd want to go. There's no job. Mm-hmm. There's like for us, we're kind of joking about how we didn't n- totally enter the realms that we mm-hmm. did our schooling for. But mm-hmm. th- this attitude is way more prevalent now. And it's more yeah. like yeah. the jobs that we would have gone to school to get, they barely exist if they exist at all mm-hmm. now. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's a. I wonder if people are even going to go. To university to play soccer and be in bands on the weekends like that that stuff is fun as well yeah, so yeah, i know it's weird i think like college is at least a shorter program and you know in some ways like you can get i think they have better uh like placement programs right. so you can get a better idea of what you're doing it's like university is so theory based and then yeah. you know if you're lucky maybe you get funding or your parents pay for it but like you leave with debt and like a degree that isn't really usable, yeah. which isn't the best. <laughs> I think this is a decent enough segue into talking about your new record, Into the Wild, because yes. <laughs> my understanding, and from what I can tell, like there's some, you're, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a questioning record. If I may generalize, do you feel like you're questioning mm-hmm. things, your life, our lives? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that something mm-hmm. that you feel comes up here? I think so. I think... You know, as I said, like I moved to Hamilton and I felt like life was changing. And so maybe that sort of um, informed my perspective when I was writing this record. Like your life was changing. (laughs) Yes. And but then all of a sudden the world's life was changing, like in 2020. It was like everything I was experiencing before 2020 was also happening to everyone at that point. And so it felt like a good time to like bring up bigger questions for myself and others you know so you begin when did you begin writing the songs on this record again in like around i guess march april 2020 right right so march is when the lockdown sort of started yeah yeah so you've already got these sort of questions in your mind Mm -hmm. as you're writing so did you finish writing them during the pandemic i'm guessing Yeah, I guess I was writing them during 2020, and then during the tail end of that year, I started working with John Congleton, who produced it, and so we were just literally, like, sending files back and forth, uh, because we could not meet in person yet, and then in the summer of 2021, I went to LA and recorded with him. Okay, so Um, where I'm coming from is I wonder if your own introspection and questioning how that was colored by our like oh you know collective questioning Mm -hmm. of life uh, during the pandemic. Were there some intersections there? Mm -hmm. I think so because like I guess because I like I left Weaves, I I didn't know. I was like, what do I do with my life? Do I want to be a musician? Should I stay in this city? 
you know, am I happy? Like all these things were coming up in my mind. And then it felt like everyone was kind of thinking about that. And obviously a lot of people left, you know, the places they had lived in and, you know, maybe they just had a, a personal renaissance of sorts. And so it like kind of just ended up tying into what other people were feeling. And I think also I kind of made a conscious decision like with the Weaves songs I would find usually like because I write everything by myself, you know, and I like I found each song would be really separate and like very different moods and stories being told. So I guess with this album, I really wanted to try and like have overarching themes. And so I, I guess this was the first time I tried to like in a way make a more cohesive record lyrically and just trying to hone in on like ideas of change and ideas of like thinking about the way that you show up in life and you know just those types of feelings that I think all of us have been thinking and feeling. Well one of the things that some of us have been grappling with is uh, what it means to be part of a community. Uh, mm-hmm. When when mm-hmm. things got shut down we all had to live in some measure of isolation but you had mm-hmm. and I I've had the similar experience where I moved Mm-hmm. away from a city where all my friends were mm-hmm. thinking we would connect at some point or keep keep mm-hmm. connected and then the pandemic happened and that really changed people's relationship to uh, community and what isolation really means um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you mentioned your family you had family in Hamilton when you mm-hmm. moved from Toronto to Hamilton did you feel isolated in those early months or years before mm-hmm. the pandemic not really I mean I guess like The beauty of being a musician is that, like, you kind of know people in every place. Right. So I already kind of knew a few people, and I made friends, and, like, I guess my boyfriend's here, too, so I didn't feel, like, totally alone. But I think I didn't really feel isolated. I actually felt quite free. Like, I felt like, okay, I can take time to breathe. And, like, in a way, when you're in Toronto, I just felt like every week there's something happening, da-da-da-da, and maybe, like, at least in 20. 18, 19, I felt a little bit of a a calmness to be able to just like take a minute and see like what is like just evaluate my life a little. Right. So you needed time away from the people you were (laughs) kind of getting away from a little bit. It sounds like Mm -hmm. for you, Mm -hmm. you needed Mm -hmm. some introspection time. So you mentioned some recurring themes uh, that entered your lyrics. Do you uh, now that the record's done uh, and out Mm -hmm. and you've worked on it and all these things? Do you have yeah. some perspective on that when you think of the songs and, and mm. the, the time capsule for you that they represent? Mm. Did you come away learning something from about yourself? Mm. It's interesting. I always feel it's hard. I feel like I'm too I'm still too close to the music, but like it'll be like five years later, you look back and kind of realize, oh, my head was in this space or, you know, whatever. But I do think. It was just, like, cathartic to write, and I think, like, during the pandemic, it was difficult to not be around anyone, and, you know, like, you're having these social distance hangouts in my back. Like, my friends and I set up, like, four lawn chairs, and we're sitting six feet apart at the early beginnings of the pandemic, and I think, like, making this album, I guess a little bit in hindsight, like, it gave me focus, which was, like, probably the best thing for my mind, because I think if you're an artist and... You know, we weren't playing shows and I know a lot of musicians, you know, they put out records in 2020 and it's like they didn't get to tour it. They didn't get to feel it. They they didn't, you know, there was no real 
experience of it outside of themselves and that can be really difficult so I think like for my mental health it was really good to write music and to get through my emotions in that way and you know like I think at the end of the day like I'm just proud of myself for writing a record and for you know doing things I was afraid to do like I set up a computer for myself when I finally started recording on my own because I kind of like felt I I needed to create that autonomy for myself and So in that way, it was like, I felt really proud of myself for doing something that felt daunting and, um, you know, just like getting signed and everything was all very exciting. Well, so where I'm coming from in terms of your own life and the way we've been dealing with this cataclysmic event together is what I've come upon is that people seem to be really afraid of change Mm -hmm. Um, because what this pandemic has really accentuated is that the world is going to be changing. Like, yeah. you know, we've been hearing for, I've been hearing for the last, I'm a big bananas person. I love eating bananas. Yes. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. I like to have a banana. Yes. At least every, it's a lot of sugar. So I'm now, as I get older, I'm like, hey, I can't have one every day, buddy. No. Slow down. But, but, but I keep hearing, or I was hearing the last few years, uh, better enjoy the bananas while you can. Yes, I climate know. Change is, climate change is going to eradicate the bananas. And that was like, Five, six years ago. Yes. As each week goes by, we hear of some new thing that we may never get to eat or Mm -hmm. experience again because Mm -hmm. of climate change. And then the pandemic happened. And what I was, what I, what I hear, uh, as we're speaking, Jasmine, uh, there's people going back to Ottawa to protest something. And we don't know what it is, except that I think they're afraid that the world is changing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of what this, like, uh, we must, uh, in America, it's like the Constitution. Yes. The 250-year-old document should dictate how we treat women and people, yeah. everyone. Mm-hmm. What? It's change. Like, it's just fear and change, and then mm-hmm. it turns into weird hatred. And what I'm getting at is, you did something pretty amazing in that you changed your life. There's a lyric here. On green nature, for example, mm-hmm. start a new chapter in your life like it's the only right way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think collectively we have discovered we can do that. Like the mm-hmm. simple things that we were asking each other to do, wear a mask, all this shit. People lost their minds because it was so different That's true. and they couldn't deal with the change. And your thing is change. Start a new chapter. You've just taught yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I don't really love change either. If mm-hmm. If the... Bakery says that I like. I'm just picking an example. Mm-hmm. I'll go with the bananas thing. If the mm-hmm. day there's no bananas, I'm going to be upset because yes. I like having my bananas. I don't yeah. really love massive change either. Yeah. No one really does. But yeah. pandemic taught me I could adapt mm-hmm. and make things happen. And what I'm really upset about is this push to get back to the way things were. Yeah. yeah without just accepting that something has changed. Sorry, not as much a question. I just think your philosophy and your perspective of like, this isn't working for me. It's okay Mm -hmm. for me to try to change my circumstances and be a different person. That's what I hear a lot of on this record is embracing that. Mm -hmm. Is that a fair assessment of where your mindset was at? I think so, yes. I think it's true. Like it, it is, it can be hard to change, but sometimes it's so much better on the other side. Like, I think the thing is when you're younger, maybe you're always worried about what other people are going to think or perceive you as if, you know, like I know it was a big decision for me to leave Weaves and to make, to do this project. But at the same time, like you have to do things that are good for you and good for your family and good for your mental health. And, 
you know, like it's, as you said, it's, it's not so scary to like get out of your comfort zone and change. And maybe you learn something new. And like you're saying with the banana, it's like, okay, if <laughs> bananas are gone, but maybe there's an apple and you start liking apples and yeah. it's going to be okay. Like it just is yeah. what it is. Yeah. And I think that that mentality is important because yeah, it's just like the world is insane right now. And yeah. I don't know, maybe just like also being a person of color, it's like, I freaking love the change. Cause when I was younger, there was something happening that I couldn't put my finger on, but I never really felt like I fit in or I felt like, you know, record labels were only bringing on the same type of person over and over and over. And I couldn't get a record deal. Like, you know, so some people are uncomfortable, but it's like a lot of other people have been in pain for a long time. Yeah. And so we have to walk through this collectively. Like we can't ignore the things that have happened in our past, but we can learn from them. And hopefully, you know, we can't, I don't know. It's just wild. It's well, wild that what you're talking about is fascinating. And a recent guest on the show uh, the comedian Roy Wood Jr. was talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. The sort of leveling of the playing field, like all the anguish and uh, feeling put upon and controlled that the white populace, if I may, mm-hmm. is whining about. People of color are like, yeah, fucking welcome to the party. This is what <laughs> it's like to feel marginalized and, uh, yes. and like you have no autonomy or control. So... I think that's also where the panic is coming from because mm-hmm. prior to the pandemic, you know, we we would hear from these angry, uh, often white politicians like decrying mm-hmm. change and that mm-hmm. uh, people of color or other uh, marginalized uh, communities were actually coming up. You know, mm-hmm. the, we were some of us were like having more stature and they couldn't handle it because mm-hmm. they saw it mm-hmm. as a threat to their own stature. And I think probably recognizing the the guilt. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, it's finally happening. The thing I thought I probably should have happened is happening. Anyway, yeah. I feel like there's a lot, a whole knot of weird emotions here. And your record yes. and your trajectory is an interesting <laughs> part of it, like to me, mm-hmm. that you, mm-hmm. you embrace these changes. I thought of Weaves as more mm-hmm. of a post-punk type band there was some mm-hmm. hookiness for sure which a lot of post-punk i love has that mm-hmm. you're working with john congleton here what are some of john congleton's uh uh what do you call it uh past projects who, who are some bands he's worked with can you name any he's worked with saint vincent he's worked well currently he's working with blondie i believe he uh has worked with angel olsen sharon van etten uh like if you look at his wikipedia it's basically everyone yeah but yeah like i I kind of put it out there like that would be someone I'd be interested in working with. And the label had a relationship with him, like anti-records. So yeah. we just ended up, you know, meeting. Where I was coming from is um, this record in the wild seems maybe more pop oriented. I hate doing this. I don't want to be reductive. <laughs> but do you do you know where I'm coming from in relation to the sound of yes. weaves? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I think that like, it's just a little more... Maybe it's more like refined in a way. It's it's more, uh, my aunt would say, she was like, I can hear your vocals more. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think I, I wanted to have something that was like more, uh, I guess, less loose and more square in a way. Like not square, you know, the, like... Uh, yeah, yeah. Lame? You know, but not like, square, lame. 
Not square yeah, lane, yeah. but like on a grid a little more. Yeah. Musically. Do you know where that came? So that's that's interesting. If we go back to the analogies we were uh, discussing earlier, Weaves was prone to change. Weaves yes. was prone for an arrangement to just go erratically in one place or mm-hmm. another, and you kind of went along. Mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in embracing the change in your life, you actually made a more yes. consistent sounding dynamic like it's a dynamic record but it you went for yeah. a bit more consistency that's a little mm-hmm. curious like i think to uh, if i may uh psychoanalyze it's interesting that in the yes. in the in the wake of all your change you needed a bit of stability in what you were actually expressing is that a fair way of putting that's it that's true or perhaps through the uh the change i became more stable and like more consistent. Yes, it's, it, that's true. <laughs> and so it got reflected in the music. <laughs> right. There you go. Okay. And so in a way, did you make all the music yourself or were there, I mean, there were obviously you had contributors. How did that work? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was like I demoed at home and then John would kind of like do some production stuff. And then we, we went to, I went to his studio for one week and we just like hardcore worked 10 to 10 to five or six every day. It was kind of like a nine to five job, which I sort of enjoyed. He's like very, he's also like very, he likes structure too. Mm. Like, it's not like, Oh, we would play all night and see what happens. He's like, come to the studio at 10 and we'll work until six. Cause he mm. also likes having like some structure to the day. And uh, yeah. So then when I went to the studio, we had like Zach Ray came in and he is a session player. He's like plays with death cap for cutie and that. And he's amazing. So he came and played, some piano, harpsichord, synth stuff. And then Joey Warnker came and played the drums. Um, so they were just like amazing session players to see. Cause it's like, they hear the song twice and they're just like, Oh yeah. Da, 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 and would come up with all these kind of cool things. But yeah, I guess like from home, I, I, I usually, when I'm writing, like I'll come up with the structure of like, you know, all the verses, chorus, melody, ba 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 ba, And then I'm kind of more open to like, what musically will happen around that. And so me and John kind of collaborated on that. And then once we got to the studio, it was very like, this is what we're doing each day. And it was quite structured. It sounds structured, but that is it weird to have gone from a fully collaborative band experience mm-hmm. to these session players pop in for a day and you barely meet them and see mm-hmm. them and they're gone. Was that odd for you? Not really. I guess with weaves, it was more like, cause it would be more, I would write and then Morgan would, I'd go to his house and we'd demo. So it wasn't, it's not really that oh, different. It's, oh, it's similar. I mean? Okay. Yeah. So I guess it's sort of a similar thing. And I, in a way I was excited to see like how session players would bring something to the table. And like, I'd never worked with like, I'd never gone to a producer's place and like worked on music in that way. And I, again, like speaking about change, like I thought, you know, what, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to like work with someone and like free the reins a little bit and see what happens. Yeah. And in a way, I think he brought consistency to it as well, because like he's able to see the big picture. And sometimes when you're in the band, it's like hard to see what really should happen musically. Yeah. yeah. And so I liked having this other person come in and like kind of help me like, you know, musicians are a bit spacey and they, we need someone to hone it in and so yeah. i enjoyed it in a way because yeah. it was a different experience and like you know when i'm older i hope that i look back and i'm like yeah you did that like that was fun and i don't know if it'll happen again so no, i was I'm, just open to the idea i hope it will i hope you're encouraged by it and yeah. that you feel motivated yeah. to one quick question here though uh because you yes. have been involved with uh 
demos of all sorts um, in your career. Is there, did anything happen with John or the session players that radically altered your original vision of any of these songs? Mm. Uh, I don't know. Like, I guess because the thing was, me and John worked on it a lot before we went to the studio, so it was pretty mapped out before. So I wasn't like, I wasn't like specifically surprised by anything in particular. But he wasn't. Um, there was no points where he was like, no, 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 no. I don't think so. No. We should we should rearrange this. It was pretty Not really. Yeah. It was pretty open and like I guess like because I kind of write the the like the lyrics and all that. I I've never really like sat with someone and they're like playing guitar and they're like all right, sing sing jazz. Like I never do anything <laughs> like that. So it kind of starts from my house and like so it always kind of sounds similar to that. So yeah. I don't know, I guess there was nothing. Imp- I, what I was amazed by is just like he's such a he's such a good producer, and like I guess it made me you know have respect for like somebody that can come in like they sort of understand your essence, and then they can like just elevate everything so much. Like I think when we first started working on songs back and forth, I think Edge of Time was one of the first ones that he sent back. And I was just, like, moved by seeing someone, like, elevate a song so much with, like, just a simple like, synth, or I think on that one was there a theremin or something. But anyways, it was so cool to hear, yeah. like, someone, like, level up your music. And it was just an intro. It was funny, though, when we were there. I would say the jarring thing was it, he was kind of like, okay, usually I like musicians to do, like, three takes of the song because we should be able to catch it in that, you know, yeah. amount of time. And I was, like, stressed because... I'm like, I like to do more than three takes. Like, what if it sounds shitty? But in a way, like, it ca- we captured it. And I think that taught me something, too. Like, sometimes if you overthink everything and everything's over-edited, like, you lose that that tone and that energy that comes with the, f- like, between the first and third take. Yeah, letting go of a song is hard. L- like, letting go yeah. in, in a sense that it's done. Uh, yeah, it's, it's exactly. Tr- it's true of most things that we make, I think. Um, speaking of things we make, often when we make things, we have our sounding boards, whether they are our friends, our peers. Yes. Often, yes. whether they like it or not, our partners have mm-hmm. to be like, hey, uh, can you just read this or look at this? And they're yeah. like, uh, again, all right, fine. I'm just kidding. But anyway, did you have, before you relay stuff to John, before you get to L.A., mm-hmm. You know, again, you've been in bands in Ontario, I guess, for a mm-hmm. long time. Do you have a local mm-hmm. or a close-by sounding board for your ideas? Well, I guess, yeah, I, sh- I would share them with, like, my partner a little bit. But I- I'm kind of like, I don't like sharing too much, actually. Really? So I, I-, I just kind of keep them to myself. Like, maybe my manager, I'll, like, share it with them and be like, is this the right, you know, am I headed in the right direction? Yeah. But otherwise, I kind of just follow my gut. And, like, I kind of know what I like. And I know what I... Like, I'll write a lot, you know... I write a lot of music. And so I'll just sort of, like, put like together lists of maybe, like, my top five. And then my top three. And my top ten. And, yeah. and then just sort of see if it coincides with maybe, like, what my manager also thinks would be good. Yeah. And even, like, it, it's been awesome working with Anti-Records, too. Because, like, Andy the one of the co-presidents of the company like they're very hands-on so he would be like send me like some songs i want to hear what you're working on and it was really nice to have like a label on board that 
is very encouraging of your writing and um, are like champions of the music. And it feels like less transactional when someone actually like cares about things from the ground floor. Yeah. You are uh, one of the, our our great live performers, I would say it's all, it was always one of the hallmarks of, of seeing weaves was you and how expressive and explosive you are as a performer Earlier you were talking about, uh, when I was asking about other artistic expressions, you were talking about choreography mm-hmm. and dance. And yes. some of your videos for this record have some dancing. Is <laughs> Do you have a conception of what your live show is going to be like? Have you played? I should ask this too because I'm a little out of the loop. Pandemic's yes. been up and down. I can't tell if people have actually been out of hibernation. I see people are touring. Have you played much uh, yes. since releasing this record? I did my first show. Last week, I guess, was it? It was a Royal Mountain Shore Showcase, so it was like a quicker set. Yeah. But I did one show, and it was I. It was so weird. Like I felt so nervous. I felt so nervous. But I think it's because also we haven't. I haven't been in front of people for two years, so I no, realized no one had, like yeah, yeah. how crazy it is. I was just yeah. like, why do I do this to myself? Like on stage, I was just like, this is kind of a funny thing. Like I guess it's like. Sometimes I would notice this, like, being a barista, because you would, like, when I when I used to be a barista, you would be with your friends, and you're, like, chatting behind the counter, and you don't even really notice people at a certain point, and you're just, like, yelling out coffee orders, and you get used to that, right? And then I felt like that was kind of like being a musician, where you kind of, at least you are used to being on the stage, so you're just like, whatever, it'll be fine, even if I'm nervous, but the whole, like, I don't know, it was a very different emotion than I was expecting it to be. Well, there's so much more anticipation, like... As a performer, you if you know your shows at nine o'clock, yes. you're anticipating yes. it for a day. Imagine anticipating yeah. something for two and a half years, That's uh, like true. of not being able to do it. You, you couldn't do That's it, and true. now it's back. So I think That's that true. level of anticipation was probably within you as well. That's very true. Yeah. I never thought about that yeah. that way. Yeah, it was very fun. Like I guess um, I have been working with my friend on some like a little bit of choreo or just like movement in general because i think like uh, i i have been interested in figuring out how you could move differently and so and you know there was some choreo in the music videos and that so i thought it'd be an interesting way to bring things to the live show but yeah it was nice to be back on stage i feel i feel strong you know it's it's interesting even just singing because i haven't really sung like that for stage in a long time so kind of getting back into that groove but We've got some festivals coming up and some touring, so I think I'll, I'll get back into the the groove of like being on stage. <laughs> I, I'm not surprised to hear you're nervous, but I imagine people who are familiar with your live show might be, because you yeah, you yeah, you yeah. really do command the stage, uh, if I might say mm-hmm. so. Um, and I don't mean to just overflatter you. I'm just it's exciting to know that you're back, if you will, uh, yeah. and doing stuff. I think it's uh, it's good for us. Can I say that? It's good. Uh, thank you. That's nice of you. <laughs> You're welcome. So, uh, are you? So you've made this record. It's out, obviously, and it's done. Are yes. you working on new stuff? I am. Yeah, I always try and write because um, it's more daunting if you're like, okay, now this album's done, and I'm going to take off a year, and then I'm going to write a hit album. So I like to always write, just in case. Yeah, it's less stressful. Now, how far along are you, though? Because, again, w- this record would have mm. been done. We're, we're, it came out recently, but it was probably done yes. quite a long time ago. You're not just sitting there doing yeah. nothing in that time, I'm guessing. Have you, 
Do you feel like you have a small catalog already of songs developing? I have a little small catalog. Like, I don't know, you know, it takes a lot emotionally putting out records. So it's like, sometimes I have a hard time with the way things are moving very quickly now because... Like, it, it is very emotional for musicians putting out, every time you put out a music video and a song and you're like, this is awesome, a way to hate it, and then you're like doubting yourself and then you are happy and then you get good news, then you get bad news and good news and bad news. So it's like a lot of up and downs that that is why I like taking a little break after just like to uh, recalibrate. But yeah. yeah, I have probably like five or six songs that I feel pretty strong about. So we'll see. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> do you feel like they are conceptual yet? Like, do you, or do do you feel like they're derived from anything in particular? Nothing in particular yet. Okay. I think, like, I think, as I said before, I think the thing I'm learning is I really like when uh, album has a specific tone to it, and if there's like, as I said, an overarching theme, I think that's really something I'm hoping to continue doing. So. I just, I want to, you know, hopefully stay consistent and like just uh, challenge myself to, to write better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I hope that that continues because, uh, yeah, this is, this is a great one. Uh, if people want to learn more about you in the mm-hmm. wild, anything else, where would you like to send yes. them? I'm on Instagram at Jasmine, I think dot online. I'm on Twitter <laughs> Jasmine Online. I'm on TikTok, Jasmine Online, and my website is jasmineonline.com. Jasmine Online. That's <laughs> yes. that's almost old school. You had to distinguish. <laughs> is there are there other jasmine.coms and things like that? There's other Jasmine. So yeah. I was like, sure, Jasmine Online. Jasmine like Online. Here. I guess that's <laughs> that's sort of funny to me. It's so it's like clinical, it's very literal. It's just yeah. this is me online. All right, cool. Well, we'll uh, hope I'll link to all that stuff in the podcast description too, so people can click on things and follow you and all that sort of stuff. If we can go out on a song from In the Wild, do you mind picking one yes. for us? And if so, can you talk about why you chose it? I think I would choose the song In the Wild. I think for me, that song is sort of the it's like the 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 base of the album in a way. It's like this feeling of being an outsider and you know, trying to figure out your path in life and maybe connecting with other people that feel like outsiders. And I think that's kind of what that song's about for me. So I would say that would be a good one to play. Beyond yourself, did you have anyone else in mind when you were thinking about expressing that message? Mm. Uh, I think just like humans in general and, you know, just... The, the human experience is definitely uh, a strange one out in the wild. Yeah. And especially right now, it feels like there's really nothing to grip onto. So I thought it would be like a good title for everyone. All right. No, that's fair. I didn't mean to interrogate you. I appreciate the <laughs> okay. more fulsome response. I just was curious. This is the title <laughs> okay. track from the excellent new record by Jasmine. It's called In the Wild. Uh, Jasmine, this is lovely to catch up with you again. Thank you so much for being uh, uh, here with me and for coming back, if you will. And uh, best of luck in the future. Thank you. It was great to talk to you. Yeah.
to the start. Ready to pop the question? The last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code Listen to get fifty dollars off your purchase of five hundred dollars or more. That's code Listen at BlueNile.com for fifty dollars off your purchase. BlueNile.com code Listen. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, thanks again to Jasmine for appearing on uh, this, the 702nd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find a particular episode that you've heard about and you're looking for, you you followed the show or you subscribed to the show on your podcast player and you're like, what the? You're scrolling, you're scrolling, and you're like, where's the 
episode that everyone told me it would be here. Well, it could be that it's so far back uh, in the catalog that it's not in your feed because the feeds can be limited to a certain number of episodes. Anyway, if you're looking for one of those things and you can't find it, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, I urge you, I insist, please visit vishkana.com. Also, you can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at Vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast that is the primary and most consistent source of revenue I get for all of the work I put into the uh, podcast. $6 or more from you uh, or a month. $6 or more a month from you grants you access to exclusive content. In, in fact, going to put some exclusive content up uh, there regarding uh, this uh, Jasmine episode. Jasmine and I did a little bit of OT, talked about uh, some of her current obsessions. So there's a little bit of extra time with Jasmine up on the Patreon, uh, hopefully by the time you hear this. And that's what you get. That's the kind of stuff. There's a little back catalog of exclusive content for anyone who donates $6 or more a month. But you can donate any amount that you're comfortable with and you can change it at any time on the, on the Patreon there. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon. I will get you one uh, just as soon as I possibly can. Uh, put it in an envelope, which I have a plethora of now. I finally got some more envelopes. I just got to make it over to the post office and send some of these shirts out. Anyway, for more info, patreon.com slash creative control. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, the bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee, all fine uh, establishments in, based in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks as always to my friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use uh, the uh, some music of his on the show, really. He lets me use some music of his on the show, and you can learn more about Jim jimguthrie.org and finally thank you for listening to this episode with Jasmine I hope you enjoyed it and we'll check out Jasmine's work and like I said uh, or alluded to earlier please consider subscribing to this podcast or following it and telling your friends all about it and spreading the word about it it all means a lot so thank you once again uh, for listening to this show and for supporting the show Uh, thanks to Colin Medley for helping me uh, get through these intros and outros tonight smoothly thank you Colin The rest of you, I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.